are starting a new series uh, this, this week that will go for four weeks, and we are talking about we are talking about what does it look like to have a deeper faith, to experience growth in the struggles that we face. And uh, this, this week was a week that uh, probably many of you were affected by uh, hail, um, and that's not something that we, we really like, but... Um, I know that there was people in our community group who had their cars totaled, windows bashed out. Some of you probably had roof damage. And it's not just the hail itself, but then the hail caused other things to happen. So hail happened, and then you have to pay more money. So now you have financial problems. Or hail happened, and maybe you weren't able to get to various commitments that you had. I mean, I know there was people that um, missed various appointments and things that they had because of the hail. Or hail happened, and uh, maybe you got in an argument or a fight of like, why did you leave the car out? That was your fault, right? Um, <laughs> that, I'm not saying that from <laughs> experience. Uh, we actually did leave our car out, and then I was like, I'm going to go get it. And then there was golf balls falling. I was like, I'm going to get knocked out if I go out there. And so I wasn't that manly and instead stayed inside. But our car survived, so it's all right. But hail happened this week, right? Hail happened, and it affected all sorts of different things. And this is just an illustration uh, that could be all sorts of different things. Because every day in our life, we wake up to difficulty. Every day in our life, we wake up to different things. And like hail, it's unplanned things. No one said, you know, probably my car is going to get damaged this week because there's going to be a crazy hailstorm. Suffering, difficulty, tragedy, just the frustrations that we experience, it's usually unexpected. It kind of comes out of nowhere and, and usually has a snowball or hail ball effect that kind of affects other things, where it's not just that thing, but it affects other things. And this is true. We just wake up to a world. Today, you woke up to a world that is filled with frustration. Today, you woke up to a world where there's all sorts of things that don't work the way that we want them to work. The Bible says this is something we should expect about the world. It says this in Romans 8. Paul writes to the church in Rome and he says, For the creation, our world, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth, that's a Mother's Day verse, until now. And he's talking about this world is hard right now, but he's looking towards this future when things will be better. But, but look at the language that he uses for the way the world is right now. He has this word futility, which is a lot of what we were talking about in the series of Ecclesiastes, that, that man, think you do a bunch of things and it's just kind of futile. It doesn't seem to work the way you want it to work. That's how our world is now. Or it's in bondage to corruption, which means, man, this is scientifically the principle of entropy, that things just break down, that you don't buy one shirt and that's the shirt you have for life. Well, maybe some of you guys do that, but your wives are mad, but you don't, you don't buy one thing and then it's there. Things are in bondage to corruption. They break down. They fall apart in our world. He uses the word groaning, that our world is groaning, that life sometimes feels like groaning or the pains of childbirth. Now, obviously there's good things with childbirth, but there's a lot of pain in childbirth. I don't say this from personal experience, but I know that this is what I've been told, that there's a lot of pains in childbirth. And this is pre-epidural. This is, he, I mean, he's serious, right? This is like, there's a lot of pain. And he says, the world is like this, that the world we live in, 
We don't wake up to a world that is joyful and happy and everything is good and everything works and whatever you put your mind to, it flourishes and whatever you decide to do, it happens. That's not the world we live in. We live in a world that's filled with pain and bondage to corruption and decay and groaning. And that's the world that we live in, that whether that's hail or other things that we experience. And we all feel that in different ways, right? We all feel it, but we all feel it in different ways. Our situations are similar in that we all experience what he's talking about, but they're different in the, the various ways that that gets expressed. So for you, as we begin to talk about this today, what is your situation right now? Where's your situation that you experience the world that he's talking about? What's your situation that you experience stress or being overwhelmed or irritated or frustrated or lonely or afraid or maybe envious or worried? Or What is your situation right now where you experience the world that he is talking about? Maybe it's at work or maybe it's at home or maybe it's some place in life that you just feel misunderstood or or you feel like people don't get you, or you've got relationship issues, or it could be all sorts of things, but what's your situation? What's, what's the people in your life right now that kind of are pushing your buttons in some way? It's difficult. Or the situations you find yourself in, the, the where of life, that you go into certain places and there's certain areas of life, whether that's work or, like I said, home or, or other places that you go into and you go, man, this is hard for me. There's stuff happening here that's difficult. The who, the what, the where. What, what is it for you? I think it'll be helpful as we talk about this broken world today and how it's a part of our faith to understand what your situation is. Not to just speak about the world in general and go, yeah, we agree with you, Paul, but what's your situation? We all have difficult situations that we find ourselves in. And what's interesting is those situations change us. The difficult situations that you find yourself in they change us. And that's, that happens in different ways. They change us in the way we view ourselves. If you've gone through a difficult situation or you are going through a difficult situation and there's pressure and there's stuff that's kind of pushing your buttons and just the, the heat of life pushing in on you, it changes you. It changes the way you view yourself. It may make you more cautious or more timid. I was talking to somebody um, to this week that, that said, that said, because of their work situation, they said, man, I've just started to cuss a ton, and I've never cussed in my life, and now I just find myself cussing all the time. It's like, they didn't make a conscious decision, hey, today I'm going to start cussing a lot. It's just the situation they're in has begun to change them, and they notice it. They observe it. And you might say this, like, man, I, I'm a different person. This, this job is changing me, or this relationship is changing me. It changes the way we are. It changes the way we deal with other people. The difficult stuff that you go through in life may cause you to change the way you relate to others. Maybe you've been hurt by somebody, and so now you've begun to change where you trust people less. You've been hurt by people, so now you don't want to get as close to people. It, it changes us, the difficult situations. It changes our view of God, even. We go through difficult stuff, and in our mind, we start to think differently about God. We start to wonder if he's good or wonder if he hears prayer or wonder if he's active or wonder. I mean, we just we start to think differently about God. 
We may even question him. Some people altogether, they go through a difficult situation and just like, man, I don't even know, God, if I like you or if I agree with you. Or maybe I don't even know if this is what you actually speak to me. So here's what I'm saying. We all go through a broken world with difficult things where there's groaning and there's pain and there's all this bondage to decay, all the beautiful language that he uses about our world. We all go through that in different ways and different times, and it changes us. And this isn't a very conscious process. It's not that you say, I'm going to start changing now because of this, but it happens. We begin to change through these things. We're shaped by these things. You may fail in life and there's difficult situations and so you start to develop fear about risking. You may have loss in your life and so any loss starts to be really powerful for you. Also, we just change in the difficulty that we go through. We're shaped by it. We develop beliefs. We develop practices. We develop habits that aren't necessarily, and especially this is true if you're a Christian, it's interesting because we, there's certain things about the Bible that we believe. There's certain things about God that we believe. There's certain things, if you're a Christian, you say, here's what I believe. But what actually happens is your situation starts to shape you and change you. And there's certain things about God you believe that aren't really, you wouldn't say, oh, I got this from the Bible. Or you wouldn't say, I believe this about God because of what my faith. It just is what's developed in you. It's what's happened in you from your situation over time that you slowly begin to be developed and shaped by the difficulty of life. This is true of all of us. So here's what this means. These moments, the frustrating moments that we have, the difficult situations, the place that you're in right now that's pushing on your buttons, that's causing you stress and and frustration, those situations are really important because they shape you. They shape your life. Maybe not all at once, but little by little, those things begin to shape us. And so here, here's our question that we're going to look at as we're in this series talking about a deeper faith. Is how can those moments, how can those situations actually be helpful for our faith? How can the, the struggles and the frustrations and the difficulty of life that you're in, that you're in the middle of now, how can that actually help to deepen faith? So that's what we are talking about today. And to begin with, we need to ask this question, how do the ways that we respond to our difficulty keep our faith shallow? If we want to experience a deeper faith, how how is it that the ways we respond to these difficult situations that aren't good, that we have tendencies towards, how do those actually lead us the opposite direction? Because all of the moments, all of the difficulty, all of the struggling that we face will shape us. And it can shape us towards a deeper faith or a more shallow faith. And so how do the ways that we respond to difficulty keep our faith shallow? And maybe uh, you'll see yourself in some of these tendencies, and maybe not all of them, but these are some of the ways that we respond to difficulty that actually leads to a shallowness instead of the depth that we desire. So here's here's a few ways. One of them is this. In the middle of difficulty, we long for the way it was. If you've ever gone through something difficult in your life and you've ever gone through something hard in your life, you can begin to long for the way things used to be. And that might be, maybe you're a Christian and you look back and go, man, when I wasn't a Christian, things were actually easier. I was actually able to do more and had more freedom and I didn't feel guilty and and it was actually better when I was over here. 
Or it might be maybe you moved to Denver and you moved to Denver and, and now you begin to look and go, man, things were better over here. I had more friends and, and life is difficult right now, but back there, it was better back there. We begin to long for the way it was or you switch jobs and, and you look back and go, man, I want the way it was, or you have a new relationship status, whether that's you have kids, or you get married, or, or you're single, or some sort of relationship change that happens, and you go, man, back then, it was easier. And when we go through something difficult, one of the ways that we can respond is to long for the way it was, to look back, and our gaze is kind of always back there. Or the opposite, we look forward. We look forward, and, and this is kind of the age-old problem of the grass gr- being greener on the other side. We go, okay, I'm here right now, and this is difficult. My work is difficult. My marriage is difficult. My, my family is difficult. Uh, my friendships are difficult. And I, and I think if I do this, then it will be better. If I switch to this, and people often, some, maybe this even brought you out to Denver. Sometimes people say, man, I just need a, a change. Life is hard right here, but if I move to a new city, maybe things will be different. If I get a new spouse, maybe things will be different. If I get a new job, maybe things will be different. If I get a new, um, if I get a new house, maybe things will be different. That there's a grass is greener. Right now it's difficult, but if I can move over here, things might be better. Something in the future might actually be better for me. And here's the interesting thing about that. It's true. For a minute. Like if you've ever thought the grass is greener, maybe you switched jobs or you switched cities, usually day one is great. Usually like, this is awesome. I made the right choice. I did, I, I knew it. The grass truly is greener. And then life happens and difficulty follows. Because what Paul said is that the world is under bondage, that the world is under corruption, that the world is broken, that in the world we experience these pains. There's, there's, not, there's not some place we can get to where difficulty won't follow us. And so sometimes in the middle of our difficulty, we long for the way it was, or we may long for uh, the way it sh- want, we want it to be, the grass being greener, or sometimes we just blame somebody. Our life is difficult, and we look for somebody to blame. That may be, broadly speaking, the government, the man, somebody kind of up there. But oftentimes it's a person. Do we say, man, if it wasn't, if, if you didn't treat me that way, my life would be a lot easier. If my husband was less selfish, my life would be a lot better. If my wife would stop doing this, I'd have a lot more peace and quiet. If my kids would just change this, then life would be a lot better. If my boss would just change this, then life would be a lot better. So a lot of times the way we respond isn't necessarily look to the past or to look to the future, but it's finding somebody, God, another person, a spouse, a boss, somebody that we can say, this is happening, my life is difficult, stressful, worrisome, anxiety-filled, envious, jealous, burnt out, irritated, whatever it is, because of this person that's doing this to me. So we may look to the past, we may look to the future, we may look to somebody to blame. And here's what's common in all these things. Here's what's common in all these different ways we respond that actually keep our faith 
shallow. What's common is we're pointing out there for a solution to the difficulty. We're looking at somebody else or some other situation in some other time or some place back here. We, in the middle of our difficulty, here's what's common, we push it out there and say it's because of this thing or that thing or this thing or this place or this person that I'm experiencing it. Instead of actually looking at ourselves, we, we look out instead of in. If you think about a, maybe an athlete or somebody that, that would have this mindset, let's say a basketball player. If you have a, a basketball player that, that is not doing so good at their game and, it's, and they're, they're losing and they're not making baskets or points or whatever that basketball people do, they're, they're, it's not going well for them. And they, and they say, well, man, back here in high school, I was killing it. That's not going to help them. Or if they say, well, man, if I could just move to this different team or if I could get a different, um, if I could move to this different situation, if I could have other players on the team, then I would be better. That's not going to help them. Or if they say, maybe, maybe I need someone to blame. Maybe my coach isn't a very good coach. Or maybe it's the passer's fault. I think that's the technical name. Maybe it's the passer's fault. He's not passing the right way. Or it's the dribbler's fault. He's not dribbling properly and dribble techniques. It's, it's something, if, if an athlete were to do that, they would not grow, right? They would stay very shallow at their game. They, would, they wouldn't actually be able to progress. They wouldn't actually be able to experience something deeper because they're saying, the problem is, I, I used to be good back there, and, and man, that was, that was the place, that, or man, if I can get over here, or this person, and they're missing them in the middle of it. Now, this is this, you know, it's a silly illustration, but it's the same way in our faith and in our difficulty. When we're going through difficult situations, we stay at a shallow level when we respond in those ways. And yet those are the very typical ways that we usually respond in. If you think about right now your situation and the difficulty that you face and the stuff that's pushing in on you, do you normally think, man, there's something I need to change here? Or do you normally think, if this person would change this, it would get better. If this person would change this, if I could get over here, if, if, man, if I could just get back to where I was, and we stay at a shallow faith. And here's what's interesting. We may not even realize what's happening because I'm not just talking about big moments. I'm not just talking about big tragedies of how are you going to respond when your world crumbles. I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about the everyday frustrations that we wake up to, the everyday things that you experience, like hail, this week, the everyday frustrations that we experience. But here's what begins to happen. Over time, we're developing a habit, and we're being shaped by that. We're developing a habit of saying, the problem is this, the problem is there, the problem is if I can get here, then, and we develop habits. We develop practices, and we begin to be shaped by our difficulty because we respond in those ways. And so we're actually shaping a shallow faith. So what do we need to see to have our difficulty actually lead us into a deeper faith? What is it that we need to see to have our difficulty lead us somewhere deeper? Because here's what, here's what I believe, and here's what the Bible says, is those difficult moments... The everyday difficult moments, they don't have to shape you in a way that leads to shallowness. 
They can shape you in a way that actually leads to a depth of faith. And so how, what do we need to see? What perspective change do we need to have to reorient us here? And the first thing that's very simple, but that we pass by very easily, is this. Here's what Hebrews says about Jesus. It says, For because he himself, talking about Jesus, has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Now here's what this verse tells us. It says, we're going to suffer, and we're going to be tempted, and we're going to go through difficulty. And, and that difficulty will respond, that, that difficulty will, will cause us to want to respond in ways that are shallow. That difficulty will be tempting for us. The difficulty that we go through will be tempting to us. And it was for Jesus too. Jesus was tempted when he, when he entered into this broken world. He was tempted to respond in sin. And he didn't, but he suffered. He suffered and he understands and he understands the temptation and he understands the difficulty. And here's, So here's just the, the perspective change that we need. He is able to help those who are being tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. Now, this might seem really simple and this might be a truth that you've known for a long time, but, but here's the reality. What are you going through that's difficult right now? What are you going through that is pushing in on you and causing temptation and causing you to want to respond in the grass is greener or if this person would change or if I could just get back here? What are you experiencing that's difficult right now? What are you experiencing that's pushing in on you right now? And what we need to see to have our difficulty actually lead us to a deeper faith is that Jesus is present in the middle of it, wanting to help. And again, look, don't, don't dismiss this if you're not going through crazy tragedy. Think about the everyday stuff that you face. The phone call that is hard, the text message that is hard, the, the hail, the work, the boss, the, I mean, all the different things that, that are just everyday frustrations. But how do we normally respond? Normally, we respond by saying, if this out there would change, it would be okay. And what the author of Hebrews is calling us to is to say, look, here's the first thing you need. You're being tempted, and Jesus is there to help you. He's right there in the middle of it to help you. He understands what you're going through. That's what the point of that verse is, to say he understands it. He gets it. So he can be available to help. But here's what this doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that he makes your situation ease up. It doesn't mean that everything gets easy because he's there to help. It doesn't mean that everything goes away. See, for us, we want to avoid pain and difficulty as much as possible, right? Nobody says, man, I really would like a difficult situation today. That would be, that'd be challenging. I'm looking for a challenge today. God, would you let it hail today so that I can have a challenging situation None of us are looking for that. In fact, I mean, we try at all costs to avoid any sort of inconvenience. I hate going to the store because Amazon exists. And that's such a small thing, but it's like, man, I, I get upset if I have to go to the store. Why can't I click and it show up? It's such an inconvenience to me. 
We live in a world filled with inconvenience. I mean, sorry, filled with avoiding inconvenience. We live in a world where we hate to be bothered. We like instant everything. I mean, you don't have to leave your house. You can have instant, I mean, there's Instacart where people can bring you your groceries. There's Amazon. There's, I mean, Netflix. There's, I mean, we don't have to wait for anything. Don't you get upset if you actually, I mean, when's the last time you watched a TV show live? Unless it was sports. Probably, it's been a while. Because we don't like to, we, don't, we like everything to be convenient. And I'm not saying that's bad. I mean, we live in a world filled with awesome technology. But here's what that means. It means that we have this mentality and pattern of wanting to avoid as much as possible any inconvenience and any pain. So even when we think about God, and even when we think about God being ready and willing to help, we usually think what that means is he's ready and willing to help ease up our situation. He's ready and willing to help ease it up for us. We want to avoid the thing that makes life difficult. We want to change the things that make life difficult. But God wants to change us. So we want to change the things that make life difficult. And that's not bad. I'm not saying that's sin. We want to change the things that make life difficult. But God wants to change us. Because we think the problem is out there. And God says, here's what you need to see to have your difficulty lead to a deeper faith. Stuff's going to be difficult all the time for you because we live in this broken world. And what the author of Hebrews says is, yes, and Jesus is right there in the middle of it to help you. He's right there in the middle of it to bring help to your temptation. He's right there in the middle of it. See, Jesus' situation didn't change. Jesus entered into a corrupt, broken world, and his situation didn't change. It got worse. His situation never changed, but in the middle of it, what the author says is he suffered, and the suffering didn't go away, but he was able to respond to the temptation that suffering brought about. And therefore, when your suffering doesn't go away, he can help you respond to the temptation that that suffering brings about. And if we engage with him in that, if we know that he's there with us in the middle of that, that it's actually part of his plan. That can actually lead to a deeper faith. So here's our final question. How does God use our difficulty to bring about a deeper faith? Because he's not necessarily going to take it away. He's not necessarily going to, we want the help of, hey, here's the help I want. Take it away from me. But he doesn't do that always. So how does he use difficulty to bring about a deeper faith? So what's difficult for you? Think about it. You have something? What's difficult? What's hard? Who? What? When? What right now in your life is pushing in on you? What's frustrating for you? What's, what's causing emotional turmoil and stress? Jesus is in the middle of it, and he wants to use it. How does he do that? How does he use that difficulty to bring about a deeper faith? Here's what Peter says. Peter was one of Jesus' closest friends, one of the apostles. And and here's what Peter says about God using difficulty in our life to bring about a deeper faith. He says this, In this you rejoice, 
Though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. You may say, look, it's hard for me to pick one thing that I, because there's all sorts, there's various things I'm going through. And they're grieving me. And he says, yeah, you've been grieved by various trials so that, here's the purpose, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And here's what Peter is saying of how God uses the difficulty that's happening in our life. Here's what he says. He says, it exposes us like fire does. It exposes us. See, when things are difficult, we point out. We say, here's why this is happening. It's because of them. It's because of my work. It's because of my kids. It's because of my wife. It's because of my husband. It's because of, it's because of my lack of money. It's because of my uh, commute. It's because of my uh, crazy traffic you know, experience that I have. It's because, it's because of this that I'm responding the way I am. We point out. And what Peter says, what Jesus says, is there's actually something happening inside of us and God wants to do something there because what happens is our struggles reveal our hearts. Whatever you're struggling with, the way we respond reveals our hearts. See, Jesus says this. Jesus says, where does all this stuff come from? And he says, out of the heart flows and then he goes on this big list of all these different things, different kinds of sins. Where does my anger come from? Jesus says, out of the heart. Where does my stressed out and burned out, where does it come from? Jesus says, out of the heart. Where does my irritability come from? Out of the heart. Where does my bitterness come from? Out of the heart. And Peter says this. He says, God is using your difficulty. He's using the stuff that's hard in your life. He's using that to bring about a deeper faith because it's revealing your heart. Why are you sad? Why are you angry? Why are you irritable? Why are you anxious? Why are you envious? Why? Why is that the way that we respond to difficulty? See, one of my favorite illustrations that I've heard is if I were to, maybe some of you have a coffee cup right now or something like that, and if you, uh, if you were to pick that up and you were to shake it, why does coffee come out of that cup? And the simple answer is, well, because I shook it. But if I changed the way I say that, and I say, why does coffee come out of that cup? Versus grape juice or beer or water or whatever other drink. Why does coffee come out of that cup? Well, then, again, the answer is simple, because coffee is what was inside of the cup. And this is what Jesus says, and this is what Peter is saying about our life. When you are shaken... When you are pushed, when you are squeezed, when your buttons are pushed, why does what come out of you come out of you? And it's because that's what's inside of us. And Peter is saying this, you know, what, you know how God uses your difficulty to bring about a deeper faith? It exposes us like fire. And that's the image of fire. You know, if you burn something, it reveals what's in there. He's talking about fire and gold, that if you have kind of a big hunk of something and a bunch of different kinds of rock and there's gold somewhere inside of there, but you just flame that thing to pieces, then gold will come out and it will melt away the impurities. 
Or if you've ever taken a piece of uh, like notebook paper and you've thrown it into a fire, it just burns orange, right? But if you take a magazine piece of paper, it burns green for a little while because there's something inside of there that it's saying, look what's really here. There's plastic and chemicals and carcinogenics and all sorts of stuff, right? <laughs> and then there's paper. But the fire, the situation, the heat that we face in life, the way it brings about a deeper faith is because it shows us, here's what's inside of you. It's not the person that's the problem. It's not the past, if you could get back to, that would fix it. It's not the future that you need changed. It's, there's something inside of us that's there. And to begin to have a deeper faith, we have to actually see what is inside of us. To begin to have a deeper faith, the way God uses that difficulty is because it shows us what's there. So here's what, here's what this means. Look, we can think, man, I'm a good person. I'm a patient person. I'm a loving spouse. I'm a good friend. I'm a hard worker. I'm somebody that trusts in God. I'm somebody that uh, has faith in God. I'm somebody that cares about other people. I'm somebody that is uh, joyful. I'm somebody that's peaceful. I'm somebody that's kind. I'm, I'm, I'm a generous person. We can have this view of ourselves, right? And maybe you've been a Christian for a long time and you can go, yeah, tell me a truth about God. God's love. Yep, know it. Tell me a truth about God. God uh, wants your joy. Yep, got it. Tell me a truth about God. God's faithful. Yep, know it. And that's true, right? Like there's probably, if you've been a Christian for a long time, there's not a lot of new truths about God that you don't know. You don't go, what? God's, God's all-powerful? I never heard that one before. There's a lot of stuff, and, and here's what happens. We think stuff about ourselves. Man, I'm good, I'm joyful, I'm loving, I'm kind, I'm, I'm there for people when they need me, I'm, I'm a servant, I'm a good husband, a good wife, a good father, a good mother, a good, good Christian, whatever. And man, there's stuff I know about God and I believe those things, but here's what happens. When difficulty comes, it shows what you really believe. It shows what's really there. Because when life's good, then you're good. But when you get pushed, when you get squeezed, when you get burnt by various trials, that reveals what's actually there, what you actually believe, who you actually are. This is why people say things like this, this person brings the worst out of me. Now what does that mean? It means the worst is in you. And they are a difficult situation that's showing what's actually there. This job brings the worst out of me. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that the job somehow mechanically is forcing you to be the worst. It means that's in there and it's revealing it. It's showing it. It's exposing it, which is painful, but it's helpful. See, we can think that we believe the right things, that we are the right way, but difficulty forces us to see what's true. Difficulty forces us to see where we really are. You can think you're in great shape. You can think, man, I'm healthy, I'm fit, I'm in great shape. I take a walk around the block every day, I feel good. And then go on a 14er and go, I guess I'm not as healthy as I thought I was. I guess my legs aren't as fit as the mirror seems to say they are. Don't you look at your legs in the mirror? Come on, guys. <laughs> uh, 
I know my brother, I got, I got like an old school Nintendo um, for Christmas, I think two years ago. And I got this game, Tecmo Bowl, which some of you probably play. It's the best game that, that's ever been invented. Um, I think that's in the Guinness Book of Records. And, it was play, and I was like, man, I still got it. I'm good. Like, I, I, I was killing every team. Every computer team, didn't matter. I, I wasted them. And then I brought it home to Seattle to my brother, my older brother. He's a year older than me. And he destroyed me. Every single team, he's like, I'll pick the word. And, he, and I was like, I don't understand. I thought I was good at this. And you, my older brother is still beating me. I was so mad. I was like, there's something wrong with my controller, you know. I was like, my buttons are sticking, you know. Classic. And, and they were. They were sticking. So I... <laughs> Seriously, believe me. I just went home and looked at my legs in the mirror, and I was like, okay, I'm okay. <laughs> I wish that was true. Um, but but here's, what, here's what that says. You can think you're good. You can think you believe the right things, know the right things. But until you're tested, until something is actually difficult, you don't really know what's in there. That's why this is helpful. I'm not saying it's easy. It's painful. But that's how God uses difficulty in our life to bring about a deeper faith. Because he says, look, here's what's really there. Here's what you don't want to see. Here's, you think you're good. You think you're loving. You think you're patient. You think you're a servant. But here's what's really there. Difficulty brings it out. Difficulty shows us what's actually in there. Because it takes what we love, it takes what we base our identity in, it takes what we value, and it threatens it, or it takes it away. If you really value respect and somebody's disrespecting you, and all of a sudden you kind of puff up and go, that's what's there. If everybody's loving you and everybody's kind to you and everybody's respecting you, then you're like, man, see how nice I am to people? If you have the best bosses in the world and they always treat you with grace and they always treat you with kindness and they always prefer you and they always choose you and you go, man, work is not a problem with me at all. But the moment you get a boss that's harsh, that's difficult, that's demanding, that slights you, that you go and, and you start responding in ways of gossip and bitterness and all the things that we know we're not supposed to respond, you go, well, it's because of my boss. And what Jesus would say and what Peter would say is no. This is showing what's there. But don't you see how helpful that can be? I'm not saying it's easy, it's painful, but don't you see how helpful that can be to show you what's actually there? What's actually inside of us? Our difficulty shows our reality. You are not who you are on your best day. We are who we are on our worst day. And I'm not saying you aren't the person you are on your best day either, but I'm saying that the stuff that comes out on your worst day, that's a part of you. That's there. Our difficulty shows our reality because it, it threatens, it hurts, it challenges the things that we love, the things that we value, the things that we base our identity in that get messed up, that get shaken. And what's in comes out. And this is helpful God uses this difficulty in our life to bring about a deeper faith because without it, we'd be immature. We'd be incomplete. 
if what God is leading us to, as Peter says, is to become this shiny piece of gold, without it we'd be a, just a hunk of muddy, rocky stuff that somewhere maybe there's some gold in there. It's painful, but these are the tools that God uses, which means this. And I know this is hard to hear, but it means this. The best thing for us and our faith and our life and experiencing all that God intends for us, the best thing for us may not be the removal of our difficulty. And I know those are hard words. Because what we long for so much is the difficulty to be removed. But the best thing for us may not be the removal of our difficulty. Sometimes we actually think it's the Christian thing to do to get rid of our difficulty at all costs. That might be that we say, God, what what do I need to change in me so that this difficult situation goes away? God, is there some sort of sin I need to confess so this difficulty goes away? God, who do I need to get advice from so this difficulty goes away? God, what do I need to do so this, is there something the Bible says so this difficulty will go away? There may be something in us that we say, what can I do so this difficulty is gone? And we may even think that's the Christian thing to do. We may think it's even the Christian thing to do to pray and to ask and to, Try to get it gone. But what Peter says is the best thing for us might actually be to stay in it. Because God's doing something. And he's purifying us. And he's showing us what's there. And and he's making us into who we're actually called to be. God may want to give you something better than just the removal of your difficulty. God may want to give you something more precious than gold. A deeper faith. Which we would miss out on if we actually left the difficulty. See, what God wants to do is help us more fully experience the salvation he's given to us. See, if you're a Christian, Jesus has saved you. He's brought you into his family. He's made you his. But he wants you to more fully experience that reality. And the way that that happens most often is through difficulty. Showing us, let's take this out. Let's show you what's here so this can go. Let me show you more. See, in difficulty, two things happen. You get to see more clearly who you are. And through that, become who you really are supposed to be. But also in the middle of difficulty, you get to see who God really is. Because you may say that you know that God is comforting and you may say that you know that God is uh, in control and you may say that you know that God is loving and you may say that you know that God is uh, one that is uh, present and leading. You may say you know that. But in difficulty, you actually get to experience it. You see, our difficulty reveals who we really are so we can become who we really are called to be. And it reveals who God really is so we can really know him and enjoy him for who he is. That's what our difficulty does. That's how it leads to a deeper faith. Which means all the little moments of frustration that we experience. What if those aren't a waste? What if the hail wasn't a waste? 
What if the frustrating phone call this week wasn't a waste? What if the little marital spats that you have, not the big blowout, drag out fights, but what if the little stuff, what if that wasn't a waste? But God is actually doing something there to show you who you are, to show you who he is. I love the way there's a book called How People Change. The authors of this book, I love how they say this about the difficulty in our life. They say, when you're in the middle of the heat, the pressure, the stuff that's pushing your buttons, you haven't somehow gotten yourself outside of the circle of God's love and care. God is simply taking you where you do not want to go to produce in you what you could not achieve on your own. See, we don't want this. We don't want what's happening to us. But God is taking us through and keeping us where we don't want to be or don't want to go so that he can produce in us and change in us what we couldn't do on our own. This is what God is doing, and this is why the difficult moments that we have are so important for our faith deepening. The little moments of our life is where big stuff is happening. The little frustrations we have is where our life is shaped. And it will either shape us towards a shallow faith by the way that we respond, or it will shape us to a deeper faith by the way that we respond. Here's what all this means. It means in the middle of your difficulty, God's in it. And he's good. And he loves you and he cares for you and he's wise and he has a plan for what he's doing and he's working. See, the difficult stuff isn't just these throwaway moments that are bothersome or annoying. God's in the middle of it and he cares for you and he loves you and he's working and he's wise about how he's doing that. Such that those difficult moments can lead us to a deeper faith. So here's what we do then. Here's what this means for what we should do. This doesn't happen automatically. And oftentimes our tendency when we face difficulty is just to push on. Sometimes we even dismiss it and we say, well, I don't have it as bad as other people and it's not as bad as it could be. And so I don't, you know, it's it's just marriage problems or it's just work problems or it's just a frustrating situation. And we just kind of push on and dismiss it and just go, okay, but the way that we actually experience the deeper faith, and, and here's, this is just really practical, is to go to God. It's just be honest with him and say, here's what's hard for me right now. Here's what's difficult for me right now. And I need you. You say that you're a helper in the middle of my temptation and, and this broken world, and so here's what's difficult. Here's what's hard. I need you. And we share that with other people, too, as an extension of that. When we take communion, as we close, here's what we remember. We remember the good news that Jesus entered into the broken world. And so he does understand it. He experienced the worst it had to offer. That because of our sin, that that Jesus' body was broken and his blood was shed. Jesus entered into and experienced the worst that this world has to offer on the cross. Because of that, he understands it, he gets it, and he's done something about it. He's shown that he's not okay with the world just being broken, but he has done something about it through his death and through his resurrection, bringing about life that we can have. 
And so in the middle of our broken world, we can go to the one that has faced the broken world and has conquered the broken world and experience help and experience a deeper faith. And so as we go through these next few weeks talking about what does it look to have, what does it look like to have a deeper faith? Here's the first thing. In the middle of our struggle, we need to know he's there. He gets it. He's in it. And we can come to him. He's using it. So pray with me, and we will take communion and respond in singing a few songs. Father, I thank you that you are present. I know there's innumerable difficult situations happening right now that are represented in this room. Whether that's relationship problems or work problems or health problems or financial problems or all sorts of things that are hard that we face today, this week, this month, that that have been going on in our lives. But I thank you, Jesus, that, that that stuff is not absent from your circle of care, that that stuff is not something that you miss or that you don't see, but that you deeply do care about because you care about us. And so help us to come to you, to go to you, to be honest with you, to know that you are good and you are working And you're using this to show us who we are so we can become who you have called us to be. And to show us who you are so we can know you and worship you and enjoy you. Pray that even as we take communion and sing, Lord, you would let these truths go deeper into our hearts. Amen.